Peace every, Dave Kurt, broker of record with Lake City Realty, coming at you with another episode of the Sudbury Real Estate Podcast. another 20 minutes or 15 minutes with my favorite podcast in uh, the podcast studio here in 63 Walford. So couldn't be happier as we get ready to round out one of the last weekends of the summer, guys. I can't believe how quickly it's gone and how how just how fast the summer slipped away. I talked about in the last couple of weeks how we always get that feeling that summer just kind of slips through your fingers like sand. Um, and this week, especially for us, uh, on the home front, personally, we've had a birthday week extravaganza around our place. Uh, our middle child, Joshua, turned seven this week. And beyond the prep for the birthday party, uh, the family birthday party, the friend's birthday party, and the immediate family birthday party, it's been nonstop parties around our house this weekend. But honestly, I wouldn't change things for the world. I'm super grateful that I get to be my own boss and get to hang out with the family and and spend time with where I truly love to be and that's around my family. What's going on on a national level, on a Canadian level? Uh, It was an interesting week because we had some economists predict that the Bank of Canada, uh, you know, it's almost a guarantee that they're going to be hiking rates in September. Uh, I think the bigger question is how much of a, a rate increase is coming September 7th when they meet again. But there was a bunch of economists that came out this week and they said that this is going to be the last increase the BOC does for the next while. What did that have? That had a ton of realtors flock to TikTok and Instagram with some thoughts that the housing market's going to explode and nothing but the top that's happening as soon as the Bank of Canada finishes with their last increase. Honestly, I've talked about this in past weeks and I do think it's a really encouraging sign that we're going to have some certainty back in the housing market. But the pump the brakes if you think we're going to be back in the same buyer frenzy that we saw as we rounded out 2021 and started into 2022. The government also outlined some of the details for that new first-time homebuyer savings account that's going to be coming into play as we get into 2023. And this is just a few short months away. I know that this is one of the plans that actually got the the Liberals elected in my mind the last go-around of the federal election. And there's a lot of things coming and a lot of interesting uh, opportunities to take a hold of if you're a first-time home buyer that's sitting on the sidelines or a buyer that's not been in the market in the last five years. So stay tuned for a, a little bit further details and explanations that I'm going to dive into there. But on a local level, we wrapped up with the Up Here Fest this week and I had a few friends attended and said it was absolutely fantastic. Honestly, I can't say enough, but props to the organizers and all the volunteers who made it happen again this year. Another interesting note that I, we took a look at uh, it, like internally was there's a volunteer group just recently that, that's called Raising the Roof who purchased five homes in the last week or so in Sudbury and their, their intent here is to renovate and use this for affordable housing. I did a little bit of research on this group and it looks like they're actually a group from Toronto that's they've done this for quite a while in other cities and that they're coming to Sudbury and trying to help out with the homeless issue here in Sudbury. This is the same time, though, that Sudbury continues to sell off their inventory of those green door homes, the ones that we've they used as geared-to-income homes that we've seen them sell over the last 12 months or so. The rationale from the city that I've read in the past was 
that there's a lot more demand for smaller two-bedroom units than three-bedroom standalone houses. And they wanted, they thought they could better utilize some of their investment in housing towards other uh, properties. But it's really interesting to see other organizations that are not city-owned step in and do their best to help out with, with housing in Sudbury. And to the, the, the extent that this group actually stepped up and bought five different homes that they plan on renovating and renting out in the near future. Locally on a real estate marketplace, what happened there this week? The numbers actually look eerily the same as last week. So last week we saw 39 sales, this week we saw 37. Last week's uh, 17 of those 39 sales happened in multiple offers. This week, 16 of the 37 happened in multiple offers. Both weeks we saw 61 new listings. But the big, the big difference that we saw between this week and last week was last week there was 21 conditional or pending deals waiting for home inspections or financing or those kind of things. And this year, this week that actually jumped up to 28. That was a big jump up. And what that did is that took that number of total available listings from 256 because when I'm looking at available listings, I'm looking at active listings and that brought that down slightly to 251. But let's jump into it. What are my five takeaways for the week? Takeaway one, 37 sales this week. That's low. I know it's very similar to last week, but I took a look at the number of sales per over the week and I, we haven't hit lows like this since back in January. Sure, it was close to last week, but again, we've seen this trend of these lower sales happening over the last few weeks. That back in January as well, that's when we were feeling a Christmas hangover. It isn't an encouraging sign when we're also seeing that most of the conditional deals, like we are seeing the most conditional deals happen in quite a while. So maybe that's going to be reflected as a positive for next week, or maybe it just means that it's taking a lot longer to put deals together in this marketplace. But it's something worthy to note and something I've been keeping my eye on. Takeaway two is the other number that continues to surprise and prove my other predictions wrong is that total listings. It was two months ago that we peaked on our new listings at just under 300 listings. It was 288 to be exact. And we, I made this big, bold prediction that we were going to see the big 300, 300 listings in Sudbury. And that was at a time when we were around 190 or just, 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 just right around 200 listings. But I said, with the Bank of Canada increasing rates, we're going to see this continue to drive the, the number of available listings up. Well, it hasn't been happening. It, it, it seems like this pullback is got rid of a lot of the fluff sellers or sellers that weren't really motivated. They're just out there testing the market. Um, but the one thing I want to dive in here a little bit further was um, there's a popular stat that a lot of people who pontificate about the housing market and like to reference it is it's called an absorption rate. If there are no new listings in the marketplace, how many months would it take to run out of homes? If it, if it would take less than four months, so zero to four months, they say we're in a seller's market. If it takes between four and six months to sell off all of our homes, we're in a balanced market. And anything more than six months, they would call that a buyer's market. Well, today, right now, we're at 1.5 months. That's not even halfway to the four months that would push us to this, out of the selling market into a balanced market. For real estate to be impacted, as much as a lot of the media and a lot of the buyers sitting on the sidelines would like us to think it's going to be impacted, we will have to see a significant drop off in sales so again, go into the territory of maybe 20 sales per week and we're or equaling about less than 100 sales a month. But at that same time, we're going to have to see the number of available homes smash through my previous prediction of that 300 to four or 500 range. And even that would just shift us. If we had 100 sales a week, which is a big pullback, and we had 500 available listings, we would go through that in five months, which again would only place us in balanced market territory. It's hard to wrap my head around 
what this used to be like because I remember 12 years ago or eight years ago or we in in the past we have been in sellers markets and for us to go back to sellers markets what what's going to have to happen to our numbers I think we're going to have to see both of those things happen that increase and the pullback but what to what extent that ultimately happens and I don't know what that's going to look like and maybe from one perspective we have to use a new judgment and a new uh, way of evaluating what a buyer's market versus a seller's market is but it's it's very interesting to note, especially if we're using the old ways of calculating how far off we are from what we would typically see as a seller's market, or sorry, as a buyer's market. My next takeaway is as we prepare to turn the calendar to August, I did a bunch of homework on average sale price for the month. A quick refresher, we saw average sale price hit the 500-ish thousand uh, from an average price point of a sale early in the year. And the pullback really started a few months ago. It was May, we were at 490. June felt like things were way down based on the offers and the feeling in the marketplace. But the stats actually showed that we were at 485. Then July is when we first saw the first big tumble and that was reflected in the numbers. Average price on that one month went from to 445. So that was a pretty big significant pullback from 485 to 445, about 10% down over in 30 days. But how do we make up for August? Well, with a few days left before we officially close out the month, we're shooting at just shy of 430, which again is another close to 5% pullback from last month's prices. If you want to look at this as like glass is still half full, our prices are still up year over year basis. As last August, the average sale price was 385,000. But when we pull back, like when is this pullback going to be over? A bunch of fa fancy economists, as I mentioned earlier, predicted this was the last week of the Bank of Canada would increase rate hikes. And I think that we need to have some predictability in the marketplace for things to get to that point where we're going to see some, some, some strength back in prices start to, uh, to bottom out. But cheap money, clearly, and government incentives promoting a house-obsessed population to buy homes has had a lot to do with driving prices up. And I don't think we're going to see cheap, uh, cheap money coming back anytime soon to the marketplace. Takeaway four for the week, FHSA. Earlier, I talked about how government incentives and cheap money reminded me that I wanted to chat with you guys this today about what kind of crazy plans the government is trying to create to continue to add fuel to this housing market. The First Time Home Buyers Savings Account. This was introduced in the last federal election and at a time when young people couldn't even picture, the, like they couldn't even wrap their heads around what, what trying to get into the housing market and trying to buy a home. And I ultimately think it help, actually helped the liberals win the election. This account is planned to be launched in a few short months, just at the beginning of 2023, and it's supposed to be a hybrid of a TFSA and an RRSP. You get the tax-free growth of a TFSA account, which is going to be up to $8,000 a year contribution to a maximum of $40,000, while combining the RRSP de deduction from that year you contribute the money. So if I'm giving $5,000 to this account this year, that's like I made $5,000 less, which means I'm being taxed on that smaller amount. The, that's the RSP benefit. The TFSA benefit is if that $5,000, if I invested that in a, in a risky stock and it doubled, well, I don't have to pay tax on that gain when I actually go to use the money as well. So either in that year or when I use the money. So it's, it's a really interesting account. And I think it's, it puts us in a great position of power to be able to leverage these things for sure. Some of the small details and the minutiae I wanted to get into. So for those trying to save for the home in the early part of their career, focusing on TFSAs and FHAs will actually allow them to save the RSP room for when they're actually later on in life. So like 
if I'm putting money into my RSP now, that means uh, like I might be using that towards my total contribution room. But it, if you talk to a lot of smart bankers and people that you should be getting financial advice from, they would say, try to save your, your RSP room for later on in life when you're making more money, which you'll be benefiting more from that uh, deduction at that time. The second point here is an FHSA can only be open for a total of 15 years. And the account holder must be younger than 71. That's pretty old for a first-time home buyer, but all the power to you. We're not going to discriminate here based on age. And just a reminder here that you can still be classified as a first-time home buyer if you haven't been an owner or on title for the last five years. That's my understanding based on the research I've done. And the third point is any savings not used to purchase the qualifying home at this time, you can actually transfer that tax-free into your RSP if you have the available capacity in your RSP uh, room, which is a really interesting thing as it's a great, even if you're not planning on buying a home, this you should still be looking to take advantage of this. Ultimately, again, go seek some expert advice when it comes to finances and we're not here to give you financial advice, but the fact that this is getting rolled out within a, you know, a few short months, I think that there's gonna be a great opportunity here to, to take advantage of early and hopefully we'll see a lot of the smart home buyers out there Put themselves in a position to be maximizing things from this account. Takeaway five, where does the market go from here? I almost get frustrated with agents that are running into social media where they read one good news story about rates. And I like, again, I, I thought for a while that the Bank of Canada may be getting close to their latest rampage on rates. I do think if they increase rates by half a percentage, they're probably going to be doing one more or maybe two more rate increases. But if they actually go for that bigger knockout of close that 0.75% increase, and who knows, maybe even one, but more than likely 0.75% increase, I think they're going to pull back. They're going to put away their pen and paper and take a break from further increases. I do think, again, I've, I've talked about this endlessly over the last few weeks, but having some certainty in the marketing is a good sign moving forward that the bank can is going to keep the rates to what they are. It's allowing me to be a buyer that's sitting on the sidelines saying, okay, well, I know that rates are going to be predictable in the near future. I can expect to pay 5.25 or 4.95 or whatever the rate I'm getting a, a qualified at. But that doesn't mean we're going to see the gold rush of prices back to what we saw in the market insanity in the last bull run. Money isn't expensive relative to what it cost in the 80s, but it's still not, we're not going to see cheap or even like what we called free money to stimulate the economy from the Bank of Canada happening anytime soon. And as much as we pointed to supply as the big issue in the housing market, there's not enough houses out there and the immigration and all that stuff. Really, as soon as we took free money out of the equation or that extra cheap money, we realized that uh, it, it's not as big of an issue uh, from the, from a, a supply and demand because there's a lot of product out there. People can put offers on houses and they can put conditions and there's not the, the bidding war frenzy that there was a, a while ago. So my big prediction I've been making for the last few weeks, it's kind of boring and stale, but if you can afford to buy a house, if you want to buy a house first, if you can afford to buy a house second, and again, when you're running your scenario, don't just account on today's rates, count for a small little bump up in interest rates in the future as well. And if you want to buy and if you feel like you're going to be there for at least five years, if you feel like you're coming here for two years, it's probably a bad idea. It's because I would predict that the market's going to be pretty flat, small increases, small decreases, and therefore you're probably going to be not in a positive equity position if you go to sell that in, in 24 months from now. But if you're going to be there for five plus years and you want a house, don't try to time the marketplace. Jump in if it feels right. Take your time. Put offers with conditions in that make you feel comfortable. 
If you can have some financing and have the appraisal backed up before you get the, the, the thumbs up on things, go for it. If you if it's a house that you feel that you, you really want to get checked out by a contractor, by an engineer, whatever that looks like, get the, the due diligence done to make sure you're happy with the property. This is a great time to get into the marketplace if you checked all those earlier tech, tick boxes. Well, Sudbury, that's my big bold predictions for this week. Thanks for hopping on the mic with me again and taking a few minutes. If there's anything we could do from Lake City's perspective, you want to reach out to me, have a one-on-one, have a coffee, chat about the marketplace in general. Love to chat sometimes. Until next week, we'll see you later, Sudbury.